Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue, and as always, we appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire. <clears throat> of course, we allow you to call in and have your say. Uh, the only thing we insist upon is that we all accept the Bible as the final authority. Whatever issue is raised, whatever Bible question is asked, since God wrote the Bible and men are fallible, including myself, then the Bible and what it has to say about the question or the issue is going to be the standard. So if you have a Bible question or comment, as the announcer said, 877-655-6755. Phil from Grand Rapids, Michigan, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, Patrick. My question is, if you were to die tonight, you know for sure that you would go to heaven, and if yes, why, and if no, why? Well, let me, let me say this, Phil. Yes, I know I would be going to heaven if I were to die tonight, but I don't mean by that what the Baptist church, for example, means when they teach once saved, always saved. I don't mean that, that I know I'm going to heaven even if I don't live right but I have the exact same assurance that Paul had in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says in verse 3, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you, or man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet I am not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. So Paul is saying that he doesn't know anything that he's done wrong that would keep him from heaven. That's what he means when he says, I know nothing by myself. But he's saying... He was not the judge. The Lord would be the judge of his life as well as every other person's. So when I say I'm confident that I would go to heaven if I died, that's because I have confidence in God's promise. I have confidence in God's promises, but I don't put myself up as the judge. But I do know that Matthew 7 verse 7 says, Seek and you shall find. And since I'm seeking the Lord with all my heart, I know that God guarantees that I will find him uh, and be saved. In in the um, in the absolute ultimate sense, Phil, you got follow up on that? Well, what if there were some sin that you're unaware of that you never repented for? Well, what does seek and you shall find say about that? What does Matthew five verse six say about that? That if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. So I believe that God will make sure that if we are a true seeker of the truth, and we really want it with all our heart, soul, and mind, God will make sure that we understand and have the truth and have an opportunity to repent of all our sins. But don't don't mistake, don't say, we never would want to say this. We might have forgotten about a sin, therefore we don't have to repent of our sins. That would be the wrong way to take it because Jesus said in Luke 13, Verse 3, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So Jesus makes it absolutely clear that a person has to repent of their sins in order to be saved. Judy from Albuquerque, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes. Um... Yeah, go ahead, Judy. You may have to turn your radio down or you might get confused. But go ahead, Judy. You there, Judy? Roger from Mississippi. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, um, I, 
been listening to the four gospels and um I noticed that Joseph, you know, Mary and Joseph, that mm-hmm. Joseph the last time I can find where he is mentioned is when Mary and Joseph are returning home and they realize Jesus isn't with them and they go back and Jesus is teaching in the temple court. He's about 12 yeah. or 14. Right. What What happens to Joseph? Because Mary's mentioned at the crucifixion, then she's mentioned in yeah. Acts chapter 1. You know... Rogers, this is a good example, an illustration of the Bible teaches, for example, in Deuteronomy 29.29, that the secret things belong to God. And so the Bible doesn't tell us what happened or what happens to Joseph. I'm looking over here in John 19 when Jesus was on the cross. In verse 26 it says, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple that disciple took her into his own home. Evidently, by this time, Roger, Joseph had evidently passed away. It, we're never told. Yet, the last time I think, I agree, that this, the last time I remember Joseph being mentioned is when Jesus was 12 years old. So, most likely, Joseph died somewhere during the time between Jesus when he was 12 and when Jesus was whatever, 30 or 33 years old when he died on the cross. Um, They had two sons after Jesus, right? Yeah, Jesus had brothers and sisters. Yeah. That's right. I I believe you're right. I I mean, I'm I'm trying to have to find the passage where it mentions the names, but I believe it was too. But yes, they had other children other than Jesus. He was the first one, of course, being born of a virgin, but there were other children. Yeah. There was an indefinite number of sisters. So they did. But by the time Jesus is 33 years old, probably, Roger, we don't know for sure because the Bible doesn't really tell us for sure. But there's a good chance that Joseph had died because why else would Jesus had assigned John to take care of his mother after he was gone? You follow what I'm yeah, saying? I asked, I asked our pastor this question mm-hmm. the other night. And... He said that he his belief was that Joseph must have died. And I said, well, where in the Scripture does it say that? And he said, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. He, he said, it's just assumed that Joseph died. Yeah, he's probably right. But, you know, we don't know for sure. Nobody knows for sure. That's why I say the Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to God. But it's possible, like I said, probable, I would say, that he had passed away. By the time that Jesus died, because he's not mentioned could ask, again. Could I ask one more quick question? Oh, yes, sir. Go ahead. Um, I had mentioned one time at a family reunion that I wanted to be cremated. And my aunt, very, you know, faithful woman, said, oh, no, you can't do that, because when Jesus returns, you can't go to heaven. So people that are cremated can't go to heaven? Um. I don't think I agree with that, Roger. The Bible talks about basically after we die, the soul goes back to God, we might say. They're separated. And the the body goes back to the earth. And so the Bible doesn't teach, I don't think, that it's important 
that your body is important after you die. The thing that's important is your soul. Jesus is when it time when it comes time for the resurrection day, God is not going to have any problem resurrecting people even if they've been cremated. Because for example, people might what if somebody fell off a ship and into the ocean and the sharks ate him. And then of course he's yeah. he's eaten by a hundred or a two hundred sharks and, they, and all in different pieces. Or he's uh, he he bur- dies in a fire and his body's completely burned up accidentally, you know. But so God is going to be able to. First Corinthians fifteen teaches the resurrection of our bodies. God is going to be able to resurrect those bodies easily, no matter what happens to our body. The body, if it stays in the grave for say a thousand years, is going to be rotted to dirt anyway. You follow yeah. me? Yeah. So I, I would not share in that belief that that cremation is a sin. I don't plan to be cremated myself, but I don't see that the Bible would forbid that. Because the I Bible, asked, well, what about people that burn up in a plane crash? Right. You know, yeah. or, you know, are, are, are they not going to be resurrected? You know, the main thing we need to get after here, Roger, is, is a passage like Revelation fourteen thirteen that says, Blessed are the dead that die in the Lord. So I don't think we need to be so worried about what happens to our body after we die. But the Bible teaches that our fate, where we're going, is sealed at the moment we die. So after we die, if somebody cremates our body or they bury our body, it's not going to affect our soul's destiny because it has been decided when we die. We need, and Roger, you need to ask yourself this question, and I need to ask myself the question, am I living faithfully uh, to God right now because we never promise tomorrow we may die in a car accident tomorrow so we we better make sure that we're living right trust and as o- obey is the way I like to concisely put it that we're trusting and obeying God Hebrews 5 9 says that Jesus became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him so we have to obey him make sure that we're in a safe relationship with Christ when we die that's the important thing Roger Yep. Now I'm blind, and I'm a candidate for an eye implant. Uh huh. Keep to get some of my vision back, and it keeps getting put off and put off for different reasons. And one of the deacons at church was asking me a day about it, and I said, "Well, it's been postponed again." I said, "But you know, God has a reason for this being put off so many times." Roger, being blind, can you? Can you still do email? I'm not sure how blind you're talking about, or can you not do email? No, I can't do email. But you can make a phone call. Yeah. So I'm going to give you my cell phone number, and I'd love for you to give me a call during the week sometime so we can talk more more about the Bible over the phone. Okay. okay. Whereabouts, whereabouts do you live in Mississippi? I'm in North Alabama near Huntsville. Whereabouts are I'm you? In, I'm, a, I'm in Horn Lake. I'm about five miles south of Memphis. I'm right in the yeah. northwest corner of Mississippi. Yeah, so I'm about f- four hours from you. My phone number, and I'm announcing this to you and all of the audience, is 256-682-9753. Uh, most of the time I give my email, but some people don't have email, so I want to pass out my cell phone number. You can text or call me, 256 256- okay. Six eight two nine seven five three. Roger, I'm especially asking you to do it sometime in the next week. Let's talk. All right. Thank you. Thank you for your call, Roger. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. 
So if you have a Bible question or comment, please give us a call at 877-655-6755. Last week, we were talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Here's how that reads. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So the first part of this verse says that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And we related a couple of other passages that talk about the judgment day. Let's move on to that second phrase. It says that we're going to be judged, but it says that everyone may receive the things done in his body. What's that talking about? I believe that's saying we're going to be judged based upon the things that we did while we were alive. We just quoted a verse a while ago that says the same thing. Revelation fourteen thirteen says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. So those who are going to be saved are those who die in the Lord. So we're going to receive the things done while we were alive in our body. We're not going to receive a second chance after we die, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 10, 11, and Revelation 14, 13. So we must realize that. We need to get our life in a in a in the right relationship with God and make keep it there all the time. We, we can't, don't take a risk on dying outside of the Lord, because once you die, your, sa- your fate is sealed. Mark from Louisiana. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, sir. I have uh, a lot of um, different opinions that I've read about um, the rapture or the second coming, uh, a millennialist, premillennialist, postmillennialist, all that stuff. What, what, where's, where are you on um, the process by which Jesus coming back, uh, you know, the, the revelations which says a thousand years will reign and and all that. It's just a lot of information, a lot of different opinions about that. And I just am yeah. interested in yours. First of all, on the word rapture, this is a, comes from a Latin word, which means to, to be caught up. And we see that exact term in 1 Thessalonians 4.17. It says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And in the Latin translation of the New Testament, you have the word rapture right there. And all that it means is, is that when Jesus comes back, those who are faithful will be called up to meet the Lord in the air, okay? But what happens is, is people teach, they start with the truth about the rapture, which is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, we just looked at it, and then they add a lot of other things. They add this, this idea that when Jesus comes back, Mark, that he's going to reign on earth for a thousand years, a physical reign. But we might not have time to go into all of this, but... In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So at the same time we have this, quote, rapture, the Christians being called up to meet the Lord, the earth is going to be destroyed. There's not going to be a thousand-year physical reign by Christ on the earth. When he comes back, 
that's going to be the end of time. That's going to be the earth is going to be burned up, according to Second Peter three ten. Follow what I'm saying, Mark? I do. So you're, you you aspire maybe like the a millennialist um, thought that you know it's one and one and done kind of thing, where you know Jesus is going to come back and then it take all of those that are died in Him and those that are living in Him and bring them up, and and the earth will be destroyed. Yes, that that's right. But is that the yeah. same? Is, is, will the day of judgment be that day too? Yes. The, uh, yeah. The day of the Lord. Okay. Let me read you a passage I like to read. It's Mark nine one. Let's see what Jesus said. He says, "Verily I send you that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power." When we talk about this millennium, the Bible talks about this millennial reign. We're talking about the reign of Christ. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And this verse, along with a, a number of other verses, Mark, teach that that kingdom, it was yet future to when Jesus said that, but he said it was going to come into existence before everybody died who was standing there listening to him. That okay. means the kingdom came into existence, according to Mark 9-1, during the first century time frame. And so Jesus is reigning now, I believe, we're in that kingdom. Colossians 1.13, Paul said that he had been translated into the kingdom. So all the Christians then, Paul specifically, were in the kingdom then. So this reign of Christ is going on now. He's the king, and those who voluntarily subject themselves to him and serve him are the citizens in that kingdom. Make sense, okay. Mark? It does. Now, I appreciate. It. I appreciate Mark, your. Uh, mm-hmm. You're welcome. Yes. Can you, if you send me an email, we can talk about this uh, to your heart's content later on. I, you know, I've only got 30 minutes tonight, but my email is biblecrossfire at email dot com. If you'll send me an email, we can discuss all the different details about this, which I didn't have time to go into. Yeah, that would be great. I would like that. So. BibleCrossfire.edu, is that right? No, BibleCrossfire at email.com, email.com. At email.com, I'm going to write that down. Right. All right, well, I I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate your call. Sure. Again, the number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. So we were talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. The next phrase there says that we'd already been talking about we're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And Mark just asked about that. That's going to happen on that last day when the earth's going to be burned up. We're going to appear before the judgment, before God in judgment, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done. You see, we're going to be judged based upon what we do. Not just whether or not we believe. So many people, so many preachers say, all that matters is if you believe in Christ. All you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. But this verse, in talking about the judgment day, says we're going to be judged according to what we have done. So it does matter what you do. Yes, it's very important that we believe in Christ. But it's also important that we obey Christ. Revelation 22.14 says... Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So who's going to have a right to the tree of life, be able to live forever, 
uh, spiritually and enter in through the gates into the city of heaven. Who is that? Those that do his commandments. You see, it's not enough to believe. If you believe in Christ but don't, don't do his commandments, you will not enter into heaven according to this verse. Revelation 21.8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and the sexually immoral and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. So if we don't live the way God has told us to live, we're not going to enter to the gates of the city of heaven. Instead, we're going to end up going to H-E-L-L, the bad place, everlasting punishment, according to Revelation 21, verse 8. That's just the facts of the matter. That's what it says. If you have a Bible question or comment, the number to call is 877-655-6755. The next phrase in that passage says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So what is it talking about? Paul, knowing that everybody's going to appear before God in judgment, receive the things done in his body, whether they're good or bad, he says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. In other words, those who face God in judgment, who are not in a right relationship with God, are going to face something that's very terrible. This is talking about what the unfaithful face. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So the wrath of God will be revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So so the wrath of God will go up against. Will, will People who are wicked will receive the wrath of God. Matthew 25, 46, And these shall go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. And so... What we're talking about here is people who don't live faithful to God are going to receive everlasting punishment. Therefore, that's going to be a terrible thing. And knowing, therefore, the terrible terror of the Lord, we try to persuade men. That's one of the main reasons I have this program, is knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, I try to persuade men of the truth and get them to change. Fred from Indiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, I was listening to you actually some several weeks ago, and you were talking about how we had to be baptized in order to be saved. My question to you is, then when Jesus spoke to the thief on the cross, and he said, you will be with me in paradise, he didn't have time to be baptized by the water. So my mm-hmm. question is, then, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm baptized myself, and I believe in being obedient to the Word. And I'm mm-hmm. really at my late age in life to really understand what that means. And I agree with a lot of things you say. But at the same time, that particular aspect of, of the, you know, the baptism of the water in relationship to the thief on the cross, would you right. please explain that? Yeah. Let- I don't know if you can turn in your Bibles, because you may, in your Bible, Fred, you may be driving, but if you can, turn to Hebrews nine sixteen and 17. Paul, well, I don't know that it's Paul. The writer of Hebrews is making a point about testaments. I'm one of four brothers, and my parents made a will out in the 1970s, but that will did not go into effect until my mother died. My dad died in 2001. My mother died in 2010. So we did not inherit what the will said we were going to inherit until 
my mother died. The, the will did not go into effect until the death of the testator, the ones that wrote the will. You follow what I'm saying, Fred? Yes. Now, the writer of Hebrews is making that very a point in Hebrews 9, and he's applying it to the law of Christ. He says, verse 16, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So the Jesus' New Testament law that requires baptism, Fred, to make it short, because i got to go off the air, did not come into effect until after he died. So the thief didn't have to be oh, baptized for the same reason that Abraham or, yeah, or Moses, none of them had to be baptized because they didn't live under the New Testament law, which requires okay. baptism. Hebrews 9 right. is telling us that, that this law did not... Jesus himself lived under the law of Moses, but after he died, the New Testament law went into effect. You follow me, Fred? Yeah, I do follow you, and I will discuss that with my pastor, and thank you very much. Send send me an email. Everybody send me an email, Fred and everybody else, BibleCrossfire at email.com, and we can talk about this very point further. I would love to do it.